Well, welcome everybody to week six of Life of the Spirit. And today we're talking about how fruit happens. Fruit happens. So we're coming into one of my favorite times of the year, and that is the fruitful time of Whatcom County. Anybody else? Anybody like all the fruit? I had my first shortcake and strawberries last week already. So good. And I think most of us know our berries, don't we? Do you know your berries? Can you tell the difference between raspberries, blueberries, strawberries? Can you tell? Some are blue. That's a clue for you, right? But if I were to give you a handful of these berries, what would you say these are? Strawberries, right? And if I were to give you a handful of these strawberries, most of you could probably tell me what the bushes look like. Is that right? Kind of how they grow and how they have to be picked. Some of you spent time in the fields like I did. And so, and so you could identify the bush by the berry, right? If, if I gave you these berries, you could tell. If I gave you a handful of blueberries, same thing. You could probably recognize the fact that, especially in the fall, blueberries are just gorgeous in Whatcom County, aren't they? They turn red, and you drive by them, and they're just beautiful. Or how about raspberries? Those are the ones that are kind of tied to the wire, and, and you can tell what they are because they look unique. And raspberries, if I gave you a handful, would you be able to tell? You'd be able to tell me what they look like, what the bushes look like, right? And Jesus said it's the very same way with people. He said you can identify people by the fruit that they bear. And he said it like this in Matthew 7. He said you can identify people by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Let's all say bad fruit. Bad fruit. Oh. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So first I want you to notice that the kind of tree that you are determines what kind of fruit you produce, right? So this is also true for the born-again believer. If you've been born again, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you're identified by His fruit in your life. And so I guess the obvious glaring question to ask each one of us this morning is, what kind of fruit am I producing? If, if I were able to give somebody a handful of the fruit that I'm producing in my life, would they be able to trace it back to the vine of the Spirit or the God bush in my life? Would they be able to say, oh, yeah, you're a Christian, I can tell, by the fruit that you bear? So that's number one in our notes today, that being filled with the Spirit produces good fruit in us. Being, produced, or being filled with the Spirit produces good fruit in us. Jesus said it like this in John 6. He said, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Can you say nothing? Nothing. Our effort accomplishes nothing. We can, we can think we're doing pretty great, but when it comes to spiritually speaking, only the Holy Spirit can produce spiritual fruit in us. We can't produce it on our own. And then Jesus said, the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. So it's the Holy Spirit who produces really anything of good motivation in us. We can try to do good things on our own, and we can even do some things that make good impact in our world, but it's not true spiritual fruit unless it's motivated by the Holy Spirit living in us, okay? Unless it's coming from the God vine. So fruit generated by living in His Spirit is the fruit of really us being changed, our character being changed. Things that can only happen on the inside are the things that only the Holy Spirit can do. That's what makes being a believer, a follower of Christ, different than any other world religion. It's that God actually makes changes on the inside of us. Billy Graham says it like this. 
As long as I strain and work to produce the fruit of the Spirit from within myself, I will end up fruitless and frustrated. In other words, if I try to produce goodness without the help of the Spirit, I'm just going to end up fruitless. But as I abide in Christ, as I maintain a close, obedient, dependent relationship with Him, God the Holy Spirit works in my life, creating in me the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not about doing more, better things. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives because we have chosen to abide in Him or live in Him or be close to Him. So when Jesus talks about the fruit that comes from being a believer, it's not the fruit of good works like donating money to a cause or like yesterday I went on a walk with Walk for Life. I went to Bellingham and did the walk. And that didn't make me any better of a person than I was before. It was a good thing. But it didn't make me any gooder, any better, right? I really did. I graduated from high school, graduates. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit in my life is a fruit of actual heart change. It doesn't happen anywhere else where my character actually becomes good. In other words, the motivations of why I do the things I do, not just to make me feel better about myself, not, not just to make a good impression on the world, not just to be a great philanthropist, but rather to really change me on the inside, that the reason I do the things I do are because I'm actually a better person. I'm more like Christ. I love better. I have more joy in my life. That is the goal of the Holy Spirit working in us. Paul wrote it like this in Philippians 1. He said, May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So after saving us, after you become a Christian, give your heart to Christ, God's design for us is not to leave us the way he found us. But as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, our inner person actually begins to change to become more like Christ. And we produce different fruit than we did before. Where we were selfish, now we become other-centered. We begin to love like Christ simply because we want to love not because there's something in it for us. So when we're in Him, fruit happens. You can't help it. It just comes out of us. You're a branch of the God vine. And God produces the fruit in you and through you. Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine. You're the branch. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So again, if... If strawberry bushes produce strawberries and blackberry bushes produce blackberries and blueberry bushes produce blueberries and raspberry bushes produce raspberries, again, I ask the question, what kind of fruit does a God person produce? And we're going to answer that this morning. Here's the fruit that happens in your life as you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you every day and change the character that is deep within you. Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life you become more loving you become more joyful you become more peaceful you have more patience somebody say amen about the patience (laughs) you become more kind like truly kind you become more good more faithful more gentle and you have more self-control These are some of the fruits. It may not be an exhaustive list, but these are some of the fruits that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And the Bible says there's no law against these things. In other words, this fruit in our life 
can stand up to anything the world throws at us, any situation the world throws at us, any conflict, any disappointment that the world throws at us, this fruit can stand against because this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to notice, first of all, that spiritual fruit enables us to respond differently than we did before. And that is the case with spiritual fruit. That's what makes it different. You can't bear it on your own. You can't mm, and hope that a, a love fruit pops out. Right? It just doesn't happen that way. You know, you get hemorrhoids when you try that, right? And so true spiritual fruit comes not from trying harder, but comes from allowing the Holy Spirit to work within your heart, giving Him permission, inviting Him to work change in your life as He lives and loves through you. And it makes you a person who, over time, just like it takes time for a bud to form, for a bloom to form, for a berry to form, for a berry to ripen, takes time, right? Just like that takes time, it takes time for you to develop into a loving person, one that's truly motivated by love. You do things that are sacrificial simply because you want to love. That's different than we were before, right? Or you really are joyful even in the midst of trials. You have an an understanding of that deeper confidence that comes from joy. Or you really do experience peace even when you read the news. I read the news every morning and then I just pray hard. Because the world's a mess. And we're fortunate. We live in a pretty good place where it's not quite as messy, but it's getting messier. It's getting messier. It's coming, folks. It's coming. And so we need to find that place of peace when life is in turmoil. So if you were to walk up to a raspberry branch out in one of the fields around Whatcom County and say to the branch, how do you produce fruit? The branch would probably say, I don't really know. It just happens, right? It appears over time. That being said... There is something that we can do to partner with God to produce great fruit in our lives. There is something we can do. And it's number two in your notes today. It's to let God prune us. And there was a collective groan through the crowd. Oh, I know what that means, right? Pruning. So number two, we cooperate with God's filling and with his fruitfulness by letting him prune us. And pruning can be very not fun, right? It can be very not fun. But it can be better. And I want to talk to you about that today, about how pruning can actually be a pretty great experience. And so Jesus said in John 15 that God prunes the branches, our branches, that already bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. So first of all, here's the premise. We produce better fruit when we allow God to prune us. When we allow him to have his way with us, we produce better fruit. Now, the best way to be pruned, I believe, is to let the master pruner do it the way he designed to do it, and that is through his word. Here's how God wants to prune you. God wants to take something like this. It's handheld. It means to be used on one thing at a time, and he wants to move through and gently but firmly prune the areas of your life, and he uses his word to do that. So so these two things, the Holy Spirit and the word of God together, are the best way to be pruned, the least painful way to be pruned. Why? Because you're agreeing with God and what he wants to do in your life by reading his word and saying, oh yeah, there's that sin of lust. I need to have that pruned. 
There's that sin of dependence on something else. I need to have that pruned. There's that sin of wanting what other people have. I need to have that pruned. That sin of gossip. Lord, I I need that pruned out of my life. And as you partner with God and and His Word, God gently prunes you like a, a master vinesman. And that's the best way to be pruned. And if we allow God to prune us that way, it's really quite painless. In fact, it feels kind of good to let Him remove the dead wood of our life. You know, uh, farmers, they may not use this, but, you know, farmers prune their canes, their bushes. And they do it because when they prune out the dead wood, then there's less disease and there's less fungus and there's less mold and the plants can breathe. And the plants actually produce better fruit and bigger fruit because they're not wasting all their energy on, on all this other, these other canes that aren't producing fruit. So instead of you know, bringing little fruit, there's this big fruit because the plants have been pruned and pruned appropriately, right? That's what a master vinesman does. Now, if we don't allow God to prune us and if we just let the world have its way with us, or our own decisions, which, which aren't that great, if we haven't allowed God to shape our character, right? We make bad decisions. I've made my share. Trust me. So if we live that way, uh, this is the kind of pruning we expose ourselves to. <laughs> and I, I thought about starting it up, but I tried that once, and they never start when you want them to. So I'm just going to hold it. I used this on my hydrangeas two years ago. I have five hydrangeas. And... That next summer, they bore maybe one or two blooms. That's it. Like they were, like they were done. They said, what did you do to us, oh, Vinesman? You know, I mean, it was brutal. And I just, I just went, you know, I didn't even check where the buds were. I just mowed them down. And seriously, it took them a year to recover from the trauma that I left. And if you were to follow behind me and see what this did, it left broken, bleeding, tattered shredded vines or or branches on the hydrangeas and literally all i got was leaves i seriously had like five blooms for five bushes now last year last fall what i did was i took that and i went through and i just selectively pruned what i knew needed to be pruned and guess what i have coming this summer i have tons tons of blooms that are on already that are going to bless us you know with with great beauty this summer. And my point is this. If we don't participate with God, and God doesn't do this to us, this is what the world does to us. This is what the world will do to you if you don't abide in the vine. They will do this to you. And you will end up bleeding and broken, ruined and wrecked. And it's not like God can't restore you. He will. But let me just say, I've done that. I've let the world trim me this way if that's a word I can even use, shred me this way. And it took me a long time to recover. And I had to have a lot of healing in my life because I hadn't abided in the vine for a time in my life. And so graduating seniors, especially you, but all of us today, don't give way to this. This is not fun. Let the master vinesman prune you. Continue to spend time abiding abiding in the vine and letting him... Letting him have his way with you. I'll put this up here just to remind you of what it's like. You know, it's horrible. Let God God do this. His Holy Spirit is gentle and firm and loves to prune us 
so that we produce the best fruit. And when God prunes us, we're not going to have a season where we don't produce anything at all, like my hydrangeas. But we're still going to produce fruit as God continues to prune us. Life will prune us. It'll give us broken relationships. It'll give us addictions. It'll give us failure, disappointment in life. And there's enough of that. You know, even as abiding Christians, there's enough of that, right? So we don't want to invite more of that into our lives. So as we submit our lives to Christ, as we abide in Him, He brings fruit. There's another thing you notice if you drive around the county, especially in the winter. You'll notice people in the fields, in the raspberry fields, and they're tying the vines. Have you noticed that? Have you driven around and seen they've been pruned and now they're tying the vines to the wires? And back in the old days when we picked the fruit by hand, it was so that we could easily access the fruit. The fruit was easier to get to because the vines were tied on the wires. And I was joking with Keith Shelley this morning. There was one winter that they hired the high school band, and I was in band. They hired us to tie vines. And I I would like to know if anything ever, you know, grew on those vines. Because here are a bunch of high school kids. They'd never been taught how to tie vines. And we're out there tying vines for some reason. I don't know what that was. But we tie the vines on the wire so that the fruit becomes accessible. And so that people can get to the fruit and pick it easily. And now with the harvesters, same thing. I think the the vines are easily accessible. And here's the thing with our lives. When we submit our lives to be tied to Christ, there's a beautiful thing that happens. God makes the fruit of our life accessible for others and so then it's not just about his fruit in our lives for our benefit but now it becomes his fruit in our lives for others benefit but we have to be tied to christ in order for us to be accessible and paul said it like this this is how it happens this is how you tie yourself to jesus paul said in galatians 5 those who belong to christ jesus those who tie themselves to him have nailed the passions and desires of our sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. In other words, when we tie ourselves to Jesus, we say no to sin in our lives. We say no to wrong motivations in our lives. We say no to those old patterns that were self-centered. And we say, Jesus, I'm going to tie myself to you so that I have fruit of love to give away. I have fruit of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. I have fruit to give away because I've tied myself to you. And so we tie ourselves to Jesus. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Let us not become conceited or provoke each other or be jealous of one another. That's what happens when we don't tie ourselves to Christ. We become deceited and we become self-centered. In our lives. So tying ourselves to Jesus makes our fruit accessible. And how do we tie ourselves to Jesus? We crucify our self centered desires for life with Him. And we let Him bring out this true love of being other centered and being God centered. So living in the Spirit is what produces His fruit in our life. And it changes how we treat others. And so there's three fruit I want to talk about this morning. There's nine that we're going to cover, but three this morning. And these are called the Godward fruit, the first three, love, joy, and peace. They're called the Godward fruit because really it's the fruit that we receive first from him, but then he makes it available through us to others. So let's talk about the fruit of love first, okay? How do we receive this love? Most of us know this. First John 4, God showed how much he loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world 
so that we might have eternal life through him. That should never get old. We should never become too familiar with that. That is what should bring us to a place of worship every day of our life and wanting to spend time with Jesus. And then John says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, because how many of you know we really don't love God that well? Do you know that, right? Like we try hard, but we're really not that great at loving God. Do you know what what, um, God interprets as love, by the way? It's obedience. The Bible says it's our obedience that God interprets as love. So the more obedient you are, the more God feels loved by you, right? So this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God's love changes us on the inside because he forgives our sin. And how many of you know you live differently when your sin is forgiven? You live differently when you no longer carry the shame of an affair or the shame of you know something you did in your life or the guilt of something you've thought or said to somebody. You know, you live differently when you don't carry that shame. It frees you to love. When you know you're his child and you love out of the understanding that you're his child, it frees you. His love flows through you like, like sap to the fruit. God's love flows through you and enables you to love others. And that's what John says in verse 11. He says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. In other words, if you have a deep understanding of how well you're loved by God, then that's going to come out of you. Your fruit will be love. And you will begin to love others like you've never done before. It's a beautiful thing, okay? No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. There it is. If you're able to receive the love of God into your heart and begin to love one another, how many of you know the church doesn't always love each other well? Right? The church has, church has this reputation of shooting their own wounded. Right? When I lived in Taiwan for a couple of years, there was this joke with the missionaries that said, if you get run over by somebody, by a local, watch out because they're going to back over you so they don't have to pay medical bills. Seriously, that was the deal. They said, if you get hit in Taiwan, it's probably better now. But back in the day, if you get hit, roll out of the way because they're coming. Right? So you got to be careful with that. And you got to love others. His love is brought to full expression in us. And His love helps you to just be the best you can for the people that God brings you into their life. In fact, love is a choice you make daily. Love takes action toward others. Bishop Stephen Neal said, Love is a steady direction of the will toward another's lasting good. Think about that. Apply that to your marriage. Apply that... You know, students in loving your parents, honoring your parents. Apply that. Love is a steady direction of the will toward another's lasting good. Apply that when you're deciding whether or not to share Christ with somebody. You know, love is all about another's lasting good, not about ourselves. And abiding in Christ is what produces this love. Secondly, then the second fruit comes joy. When you abide in Christ, there's this thing that begins to take shape in your life called joy. And most of us, when we think about joy, we think about 
feeling happy or something good happened or eating some ice cream so you feel joyful, you know, all those kinds of things. But that's really not what joy is. Let me give you another definition that I like today. My definition is this. Joy is confidence in the person of the Holy Spirit even though circumstances are difficult. In other words, it's not a feeling as much as it is an understanding that God is still faithful and He's still with you even though you're going through something difficult. That's what really produces joy in your life. It's this idea that even though life can be hard or bad or disappointing, God, you are still good. I'm going to hang on to your goodness. God, you are still enough. I'm going to hang on to you being enough for me in this moment. That's what joy is about. David wrote it like this. I love this Psalm 16. He said, I have set the Lord continually. That's an important word. That sense of God is always with me, before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. That's your humanness. Will, will be secure because of his presence. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Now, Sheol was the waiting place for the soul before Christ came. Okay, Sheol was the Old Testament waiting place where the soul went to wait for judgment. And David makes a great point here. He says, you know, life, life can do some bad things. Life can be difficult for us. But one thing I know, that my soul is not at risk. Because Jesus, you've taken care of my soul. You've redeemed my soul. And here's what I want you to get about God's promises. God doesn't promise a trouble-free life when you receive Christ. But God does promise that he will hold your soul secure. He will keep you secure. You don't have to worry about him losing track of your soul. God will keep track of you, right? And nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Here's where David slips into prophecy right here. He prophesies about Jesus. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So where does joy come from? Joy comes from knowing deep within your heart that God will never abandon your soul. I, I just have to remind you of this this morning. You know, we may think that life is hard, and it is. We've got some hard things that happen in our lives. But I've got to tell you, there's people around the world that have it way worse than we do. I was in the slums just you know, a while back in, in Mumbai, and I can tell you, they're looking for their next meal, and they're digging through garbage to find it. And it's tough. And it's for that believer in Christ, that believer in Christ, that they hang on to the fact that they may not find their next meal today, but they know that their soul is secure. And I think we need to adopt a little more of that thinking again. You know, that even if life is hard and we suffer disappointments, we know our soul is secure. And that is what joy is all about. Now, joy also has this, this great... Um, privilege of producing character change in our life and so you know this passage from james i'm going to read it to you again that our character is developed as we depend on christ when we go through hard times here's what james says dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity would you say opportunity with me today 
Oh, yes. Opportunity for great joy. Four, you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, we know that we're going to be perfected when we see Jesus face to face. We're going to be like he is. We're going to see him as he truly is. But there is this idea that you can become more and more like Christ, more and more perfected, even on this planet. Not that you'll ever achieve it here, but you can become more and more perfected in your character. As when you face trials, you invite the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to be all that you need in those times of trials. And that produces joy in our life. The more we learn that we can depend on Him, the more joy, the more confidence we have in His presence. And I'll tell you, that's a great way to live. So trials, when you allow God to meet you there, produce a deeper dependence and a perfection of faith as you trust Jesus through the trials. Now, this love and this joy gives way to one more fruit that I want to talk about this morning as we close. It's the fruit of peace. It's the idea that we can live in peace on this planet that's often not very peaceful. We can live in peace because of the love and the joy we experience. And Jesus told his disciples in John 14, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Like you can't, you can't buy this peace. You can't get this peace anywhere. The peace that Jesus offered. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. There's this idea. As Jesus shares this with his disciples, and he shares it with us today, there's this idea that even though we experience turmoil in this world and trouble in this world, there's this idea that Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to make all things right. And all the things that have been wrong in your life, Jesus is going to redeem and he's going to make sense of. And the Bible says there's going to be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more weeping. Last night we uh, got to babysit our granddaughter for like four four or five hours. And Trilby is just such an amazing joy. But as we were there with her and her mom and dad were trying to sneak out the front door. Have you ever done that? Because she's starting to get a little anxious when mom leaves. You know, there goes the public utilities. And so she's, you got that, huh? And so she's, le- the, you know, the kids are leaving. And I'm not kidding. This girl at eight months, she's sitting on the floor and she goes, you know, she's watching them as they go out the door. And you can see her little lips start to quiver. But then she pulls it together. She pulls it together and she spends the next four or five hours with us. And we had a great time, wonderful time with her. But then an interesting thing happened. You know, we're sitting there with her, and in come mom and dad. And she just goes crazy and begins to cry. There's mom. She begins to cry. And she just knows that mom's going to set all things right. And it's not like we were even mean to her, you know. (laughs) But she knows that mama's got something grandma's not got. And mama's going to nurse her, and everything's going to be right. And mom's going to put her to bed. And all is going to be right with her world. And, you know, I think that that's kind of where we live. I think that's where we live. We live, we kind of pull it together, and we're like, okay, we can do this. We can do this life. But then there's times when when we just, you know, we want Jesus to come back. And and, and in, in a sense, like the Bible says, all creation groans, waiting for him to return. And so we have this time where, 
We're, we're so in touch with how much we want Jesus to return and set things right. And he's going to make things right for us when he does return. But there's that sense of waiting. And, and in the waiting, can we find this peace? Can we have this peace knowing that Jesus is going to make things right? Knowing that when he returns, he's going to redeem all that's gone wrong in our lives. Can we live in that peace? I believe that we can. Paul said in Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have this peace with God because Jesus has made us right with God. That's the first step to having peace with God, right? We, we need to receive Christ, and we need to have Him in our life, and we need to receive His forgiveness We're going to celebrate this today with communion. We need to receive forgiveness of our sins, and we need to allow Him to cleanse us. And then we need to have this pattern of confessing our need for Him daily, like we talked about last week. And we just have to be in this time of waiting where we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the first step. And I I want to take a moment with you today before we have some worship and have communion. I want to take a moment... Because I want to be sure that everybody in the room that wants to receive Christ has done that. And you know, maybe you're here today and you grew up in church. I talked to some people last week that were here visiting and they said, yeah, we grew up in church. We have never, ever heard about a relationship with Christ. Never heard about that. And so maybe you're here today. Maybe you grew up in church or maybe you didn't, but you're here. And you didn't know that you could have a relationship with God through Christ. And so that's the first thing I want to tell you today, that you can have peace in your heart, peace with God. You don't have to worry about God being mad at you or God judging you. You can take care of all that simply by receiving what Jesus did for you. That's all you do. You receive his forgiveness. You receive who he is, the son of God, that he died for your sins and rose from the grave to give you eternal life with your creator. So I want to give you a chance to receive Christ this morning if you're ready to do that. But then for the rest of us, as we receive communion today, I want it to encompass these three fruits, love, joy, and peace. I want you to think about the love, the joy, and peace that that God has given you and how you abide in Him. And this is part of abiding in Him. So just where you sit this morning, let's just stay seated as I pray. And if you'd like to receive Christ this morning and Receive forgiveness for your sin like I have, many in the room have. Just pray with me now. Let's bow our heads. God, today I just come and I've heard Pastor Kurt talk about the fact that, Jesus, you love me. And you came to save me from my sin. That's how you expressed your love to me. And that I can have peace with God. I don't have to worry about God being out to get me or being angry with me if I simply receive, Jesus, your forgiveness. And so I do that now in this moment. Lord, I know I need your forgiveness. I've done things, I've thought things that are wrong, that have been hurtful to myself and to others. Lord, I know I need you to forgive my sin. So I invite you to do that now. Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Cleanse me from all the things I've done wrong. Put me back into right standing with my creator. And Lord, put me in that place of peace that I can be at peace with God, that I can live at peace with God. And so I receive you, Jesus, Son of God, forgiver of my sins by your death on the cross, provider of eternal life for your resurrection.
I receive you today. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. And now, Lord, for all of us who just want to experience the power of your spirit, your love, joy, and peace. God, I just pray now over our hearts that we would continue to expand and receive all that you have for us, Lord, your love. And then to be able to give away that love to those people in our lives. God, help us to have low-hanging fruit that people can pick from our lives and they can understand there's a God who loves them because there's a God who loved us. God, help, help people to receive love from us. Help people to see the joy, the confidence we have in you. Lord, help people to understand that we're at peace and they can be at peace. So God, help us to have a deeper experience of your fruit today. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to worship. This is a song that these kids wrote. And we're going to sing it this morning as a part of our worship. And as we do, come and get your bread and get your juice. There's some at the back as well. And if you just take it to your seat, think about his love, joy, and peace as you do that. Okay? Then we'll receive it together. Let's worship.